all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Yeah, jingle bells. <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Was, <laughs> I almost forgot. I threw you. I threw you. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I gotta I gotta figure out we're we're four and a half years into this almost. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta keep things interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, follow us Insta Twitter, Facebook, Twitch and TikTok at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Yes, do all of those things. If we start getting like a subreddit, then we're just going to, like, we have to keep adding things. It's too the much. only time it's too I've much. ever been on Reddit is like when you've showed me stuff on Reddit. I've, I've been I've on never... Reddit so much recently. I'm in a Reddit phase. I still don't get it. it... I still don't get it, Reddit. It's old message boards. I know. That's what know? I'm saying. It's like the 1994 internet, like, still viable but somehow. But there's so many more memes. Yes. <laughs> um, one of my favorites <clears throat> is called Idiots in Cars. And it's mostly people who have um, dash cams mm-hmm. capturing things that people do. Um, and it's really made me want to get a dash cam. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're we're not going to join the security state. No, if I end up, I actually would seriously consider it with the commute that I may be looking at soon. Okay, because for like insurance purposes. Okay, or because I'll there I'll clock a lot more driving. Sure, but anyway, that's a yeah, that's a that's... administrative discussion. Yeah, probably something we should do off mic. <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> it's like the ring doorbells. It's like, it's like I don't it's like. Those. It's like I don't, I don't want like one of those. those. Yeah. Like, why do I want do one I. of those? Neither do I. Like very few people come over here, and people who do, like yeah. like we know who they are. And I don't want to record them. I feel no. like like I um, if I'm walking through the neighborhood or something, I'm like it really sucks that they're probably people recording me oh yeah well especially my sister's uh new well my sister moved here about a year ago they Mm -hmm. finally moved into their new house about Mm -hmm. two weeks ago yeah just really recently but all the because it's a new development every single house has a ring doorbell Mm -hmm. every single one Mm -hmm. so yeah if you're just walking your dog down that sidewalk you're being recorded the entire time which is weird Part of me does want to get little cat cams. Yes, I would love to get those. That, that's different. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. That would yeah. be fun. Little cat collar camera. They no, have no, those. No, 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 to watch them. Oh, no, but they have like little oh. collars now with a camera on it. So you can. <laughs> I saw a video of an eagle with a camera. It was pretty that's amazing. That's pretty cool. That was on Reddit. Nice. <laughs> We've come full circle. There you go. We should probably move on. We probably should. <laughs> Um, we are trying to stream on Twitch a bit more. You've yes. been streaming very regularly. I'm just, Dead Redemption. I was going to say, I am mainly, actually exclusively mm-hmm. for the moment, mm-hmm. just streaming gaming. Yeah. And that game at the moment is Red Dead Redemption 2. We are about halfway through the third chapter. How many chapters? There are six. Okay. Plus okay. there are two epilogue chapters. Oh, wow. So there are eight chapters in total. So we still got a ways to go. Yeah. But please follow along because the story is excellent. It's just a very long story. I okay. think the story gameplay, if you do all the side missions, is like 40-some hours. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Well, you you 
stream for like two or three hours at a time. Yeah. You've gone a little more than that a couple I, times, I have. too. <laughs> yes. um, uh, also, if you're interested in nails, <laughs> you can follow my sisters, as in fingernails and doing nails. You can follow my sister on Twitch at uh, The Daily Nail Files, and she is going to be doing a 12 Days of Christmas thing starting on the 14th so that's gonna be super fun i'm gonna yes. be in there watching her streams every time i can so um well you were saying to just get to the yeah i was and now yeah. i'm now i'm that, yeah. delaying myself uh well what are we drinking i am drinking a fine smooth cold bud light platinum <laughs> brewed for the night it's hilarious that they call it a Bud Light and it's six percent. I know, but it makes it better. <laughs> it's it actually tastes way better. I don't like regular Bud Light at well, all. What what makes it different? Is there well okay? What makes it different from Budweiser, like the Red Label stuff? That, well, that sucks too. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't so like I don't like rebrand. I guess reformulate. You know what it probably is. You know, back in the nineties, I don't know. People my age might remember this. Everybody was coming out with an ice beer, mm. which Budweiser did. They had Bud Ice for a while. And basically all that was was just like more alcohol content yeah. per beer. So mm. I think maybe that's maybe calling it a platinum now is <laughs> just the 2000s version of an ice beer. I don't oh, know. Maybe. It tastes better, though. Okay. It's bearable. I, I remember um, commercials for wine coolers. Oh, yeah. And that's been replaced by seltzers. Yes. By alcohol yes. seltzers. Uh-huh. Yeah. People derided wine coolers. Mm-hmm. I remember them being extremely uncool. Yes. I am drinking a Catawba Brewing White Zombie. Yes. <laughs> Just confirming. Just had to make sure. Just confirming. I, was gonna, I, I bought it, so I, yes, could, I could have <laughs> said, yes, that's what it is. Um, I did forget to say, while I was trying to come up with things to say about Twitch and such, we are potentially committing to another twitch stream right yes next friday Friday, december 17th at 8 30 p.m eastern yes. yeah we're 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 probably gonna do it <laughs> right you'll now, see on our schedule if we are may the odds ever be in your favor <laughs> i i added tonight so we're we're recording this on uh friday the 10th and we're we're gonna twitch after this and we're going to twitch, we're gonna after, twitch this. after this, <laughs> like we always do. Um, and I could only schedule it for every Friday, which is really weird. Yeah, that is strange. I couldn't just do a one-time thing, yeah. so I don't know. It could we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it, it is still new to us. Mm-hmm. So we are in our rotation of me doing research, you doing research, and doing a listener script. Yes. And this week is a listener script. Yes, it is. And it's a well-timed one. This is specifically written for the Christmas holiday season occasion okay um next yes next monday which will be the monday before christmas uh we'll do our miracle sode yes uh which means vesna volovich was four years ago that we did wow i know okay i know um so i I'll, don't know I, how that's possible <laughs> i've got a topic in mind we've got some good um recommendations from listeners so we'll be doing one of those okay so this script comes to us from our dear nicole oh okay who has done scripts for us very before. nice and god damn it i was gonna shout her out for so oh yes <laughs> nicole tweeted an epic wonderful tweet 
um, where she said that our podcast is like a great structured intro, chaos with the story. Oh, I saw that tweet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so I, I was joking, but I think it's legit. Like our subtitle, like, um, all bad things podcast chaos with the story yes <laughs> it's a great tagline it is <laughs> so, so thank you for that tweet nicole. yes thank you nicole um so i'm gonna read the whole thing which includes um a little sort of like emailed preamble okay hello rachel and david per my discussion with rachel about holiday themed episodes here is a script involving a christmas related disaster note to my fellow listeners this is not a miracle, so that's why we're doing one next week. Okay. But this is still timely. Sure. And maybe a really good, like, why Christmas trees are kind of a bad idea. We were talking uh, about this, the fire hazard alone. Oh, Fox News found about, out about that the other day. <laughs> I saw that. That was so hilarious. <laughs> it was set on fire by somebody. That's, that's not great, because no. that could have hurt somebody. It could have. So, but, and, my, but they caught the person, right? Yes, they yeah. did. But my initial reaction was they caught him like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. But my initial reaction was like, maybe God does exist. <laughs> God sends angels, you know? Yes, he does. Sometimes they bring fire. <laughs> Angel of fire. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this script tells the story of the Rouse Simmons, known as the Christmas tree ship which sank Mm. in a storm on Lake Michigan in 1912, leaving no survivors. That's the same year as Titanic, no? It is, yes. Not a great era for boats. (laughs) Probably wasn't a great year for a lot of things. Like 1912, probably not a great year for women. Certainly not black people. No. Certainly any non-white person. Yeah. Gay people. Even white people. Any non-straight people. That was still the days of uh, Irish need not apply. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know. So good times. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. We should we should go back to that era. <laughs> Despite this, well, there's a lot of people. Though that are trying, that. yes, yeah. that are trying to make that possible. Despite this being relatively local to me, it happened on one of the Great Lakes, and the ship is often referred to as Michigan's Christmas tree ship. I think um, Nicole is from Michigan. Okay. I actually, I mean, it it sounded like I was saying that based on that, but I, I think she mentioned before. Go blue. <laughs> I actually hadn't heard of it until I was about 20 years old and bought a book called Pirates, Crooks, and Killers, The Dark Side of the Great Lakes. That Mm. sounds pretty cool. Written by Frederick Stonehouse. To be honest, I'm not a huge fan of this author, and I want to preface my next sentence with a disclaimer because someone could hear what I'm about to say and go, but all bad things is similar. (laughs) (laughs) I feel an independently produced a free podcast is a completely different thing than a traditionally published book by someone who has a master's degree in history who has taught classes at a college in these same subjects he writes about, the Great Lakes history and maritime history. And I feel that producing that type of content requires more formality and objectivity, allowing readers to form their own viewpoints based on the facts presented. I, that That's fair. I think that's fair. A different standard, right? Mm-hmm. I hope it's clear at this point how much I, I enjoy all bad things. So on to my critique of Stonehouse. I have given several of his books a try, and he consistently writes very informally in the sense that he makes his own opinions extremely obvious, and not, uh, not through the way he presents information, but by simply ending his paragraphs with commentary about how it should be very obvious to readers now that he is correct and too bad if his facts offend you. <laughs> 
Yikes. He is, however, a pretty well-respected Great Lakes author, and I find him useful as a source in that he knows about a lot of stuff. And looking through his book peaks, books piques my interest in things previously unknown to me, and then I can seek out more objective professional material to learn more. That's kind of how I feel about that book that I started, um, Chappaquiddick. Sure. It's you said it's written by, by like a kind of like crazy guy. Well, he... Or off-kilter person. Potentially mentally ill. He did kill himself not that long oh. after the book came out. Okay. Out. And that's not to say that he couldn't... That there was anything more wrong with him than depression or whatever. Um, but apparently... Well, and I looked into some... He goes off a little half-cocked on some conspiracies and stuff. Sure. That haven't been validated by other sources. So, yeah. An eye of skepticism, perhaps. <clears throat> but I see what Nicole is saying about, like, in nonfiction writing, it's a fine art to state fact without being too dry, but also without inserting yourself into Sure, without the, uh, yeah, without the commentary. Yeah, yeah. Or, without, without editorializing. Yeah, and drawing con- broad conclusions that aren't supported by the information, yeah. His book is one of my sources, and while as while he's biased, he doesn't make things up like dates or names or data. However, I also used seahistory.org, mlive.com, archives.jsonline.com, detroitnews.com, and christmasship.org for further research. If your only source for this story is Stonehouse's book, you'd be thinking, but Nicole, all bad things does not do crime. As this story is featured in the chapter, Murder Most Foul, under the subheading Murder by Ship. However, I do not believe this was a crime in the sense that would disqualify it from this podcast, as many disasters have been covered where negligence or greed or decisions made under pressure Mm -hmm. resulted in something horrible happening, and there's absolutely no evidence the Rouse Simmons was deliberately sunk. That's fair. That all falls well within our parameters. After all, one of her owners was also her captain. Another one of her owners was also on board, and they did not survive. Okay, well, yeah, unless they were themselves wanting to end their own lives. Yeah, it doesn't sound super deliberate. Many ships on the lakes have been sunk for insurance money with... have been sunk on uh, for insurance money with ver- varying success. But even Stonehouse, the only person who appears to call this a case of murder, admits that the ship was not sunk deliberately. So it sounds like he's trying to be a little more sensationalist. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So the history. I don't know why I said it like that. The history. That's fine. The alleged history. No. The Rouse Simmons was built in 1868 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin by Alan McClelland and Company. She was 123 feet long, 28 feet wide, and 8 feet in depth. That seems a little shallow. Is that just a mm, no, I'm probably not. You're, you're, you're not. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it. It's hard to do inside a house <laughs> to picture something kind 123 of. feet long. Anyway. Yeah. Um, this is approximately 37 by 8.5 by 2.5 in meters. According to several sources, she was considered decently sized for the time. Okay. She had three masts. That's true. This is 1912. We have to keep 1868 in mind. she was built oh okay so maybe yeah. yeah even so i'm not sure if nicole means for the time when it was built or when probably this both all happened maybe yeah, probably yeah. a little both yep she had three masts and was four and aft rigged do okay. you know what that means i have no idea <laughs> okay <laughs> fair neither do i Stonehouse notes that something unusual about her was that she had two center boards whereas most ships only had one 
you want to send a bonus? I, we know very little about sailing. I, I, as far as sailing goes, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I grew up on boats and stuff, but I still don't know a whole lot about them. Do you know how to, to um, drive any boats? <laughs> <laughs> a boat with an engine, yes. A, a boat with a sail, no. Mm. I've never gone sailing in my entire life. I feel like that is a completely different skill set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's not a motor, right? Well, usually on sailboats, there's like a little five or ten horsepower motor, just in, in case. case. Okay. Yeah. Like but that's it. sails rip or something. Yeah. But you're not going out using that little motor. You're, you're using the sails, sails and stuff. Sails, yeah. So, but no, I, I know nothing about a sailboat. Do they just not sail when there's no breeze? Well, when you're out on the water, especially there's, open water, yeah, there's always fair. something to go off of. That's fair. It just depends on how strong it is. So it just might take you a really long time. Yeah. Or if you're in a rowboat on uh, a lake with very strong winds trying to go opposite it, as we learned, yes. that's very difficult. It's not easy. <laughs> <clears throat> we were going against the wind. Yes. <laughs> as the song says. Yes. And I almost had to kill an old man. <laughs> that's that's the first sign of your temper that I saw. I should say of your um disapproval. No, uh lack of patience with certain things, which I have yes. too, but yeah. Um were you also grumpy because you hadn't smoked in a while or did you smoke on the lake? I forget. I don't remember. No, I was grumpy because... Of the situation. The situation. Um, like, we couldn't really control our little rowboat. And Mr. Old Man Fishing was like, Try not to get in the middle of the of the lures. And he was a little meaner than that. Yeah. As I recall, he was actually kind yeah. of like telling us to scram. And it's like, yeah. we're not doing this <laughs> so on like, purpose. I'm not doing this on purpose. And when we get to shore, I will beat you with this paddle. <laughs> like, don't think I won't. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Ah, that was very early. In day, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> All right. Great Lakes sailing vessels needed retractable centerboards that could be raised when it, when in shallow water and lowered for more stability when out on the Great Lakes, which are large enough to be seas. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And behave like seas and are not only seas because, and are only, sorry, only seas not seas. as in the body of water. Yes. S-E-A-S, not S-E-I-Z yes. or S. <laughs> Well, let's just go. Easy. Yes, let's just go. Anyway, um, uh, they're only not seas because they are freshwater, which I didn't, Mm -hmm. I never even thought of, but a sea has to be saltwater, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, otherwise it's a lake, yeah. As a side note, Michiganders will often joke that TGIF stands for Thank God It's Freshwater, (laughs) and I am currently wearing a hoodie that says, No salt, no sharks, no worries. (laughs) That's funny. I grew up. Salt water. Yes, you that did. You grew up, you grew up by the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, uh, and not far from the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. So, grew up. Uh, I grew up not far from uh, Lake Ontario. Yeah, one, one that's the, the one lakes. that um, Buffalo's on, right? Buffalo's on Lake Erie. Well, where's that? Ontario's just a little north oh, of it. I don't know my Great Lakes. No, you well. don't. Sorry. Superior is the largest. It is. I know that. It's in the name. It is in the name. <laughs> TGIF. And, right. I, and I also grew up on the St. Lawrence River. Yes. <clears throat> which leads And which to we've talked the, about yes, which, before. Mm-hmm. We had that one mm-hmm. uh, nautical disaster mm-hmm. in the St. Lawrence River. Brackish water. Mm-hmm. Newspaper articles that reported on the launch of the Rouse Simmons. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's spelled like house, but with an R. 
Sure. So Ross Simmons noted the quality of the timber used in her construction and that she was built to partake in the lumber trade between Manistee, Michigan and Chicago, Illinois. Manistee is toward the northern northwestern part of Michigan's lower peninsula near the Huron-Manistee National Forests and is on Lake Michigan. Chicago is at the south end of the lake. That's right. Yeah, Lake Michigan is Chicago, right? For those, well, I believe Nicole, but still. For those at least vaguely familiar with my home state, Manistee is a four-hour drive northwest from Detroit. Oh, that seems very north. Mm -hmm. Three hours northwest from the state capital of Lansing and an hour south of the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore. Here I will briefly promote the two national lakeshores in my state, Sleeping Bear Dunes and Pictured Rocks. Search those on Google Images. I've heard of Sleeping Bear Dunes. Yeah. I've heard it's a pretty pretty beautiful Amazing spot. Place. Yeah. Michigan is underrated. I'm not religious, but I do love one of our nicknames for the state. God's high five to earth. Oh, because it looks like the little glove. <laughs> the little glove. Yes. Of the, of the state. Aw. Every state has like its thing, don't sure, they? Sure, of course it does. Yeah, their own version of pride. Yeah, yeah like Mississippi has like third world conditions. Like that's their... <laughs> That's their thing. I think that that's how someone from Mississippi would describe it. <laughs> and uh, I'm not joking about like the conditions, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's what's funny is you and I are both from states where we're not of the rest of the state. Like when people think of New York, they think of New York mm-hmm. City, and even quote upstate is like Albany. Yeah, and you're basically Canada. People think Florida, they think crazy, and I'm like, no, I'm from South Florida. Mm-hmm. We're crazy, but in a different way. Yeah. We're not redneck crazy. <laughs> it's a different crazy. I'm just right off the rest of the state, but anyway. <laughs> Manistee is a beautiful area to this day, and 150 years ago had tall, thick, pr- proud forests largely made up of white pine. Oh, mm. that sounds pretty. Mm-hmm. These forests were, of course, a delectable entree for capitalism. Oh, boo. Boo, capitalism. <laughs> the Ross Simmons cost 17000 to build, $17,000 to build, which is a bit over $330,000 today. That doesn't seem That's that bad. That's not a whole lot, no. During the ship's period of peak usefulness, she was making at least one trip per week hauling wood. Oh, okay, so this is a lumber ship. The, she uh, Nicole may have said that explicitly. Most ships are called she. They have a, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. Um, about it being a lumber ship. Oh, no, I'm aw- I'm aware of that. Yeah. I usually say it, her. But yeah. The <laughs> what if the ship's pronouns they. are they? We're not going to take pronouns to ships. <laughs> There's really not a reason to, to be fair. Somebody will find one, but there is no reason. <laughs> no. <laughs> I still I still argue for it because it's an. Yeah, unsentient being, but anyway. The ship's usefulness decreased as the forests were decimated by the lumber industry, and by the time the 20th century rolled around, she had changed hands multiple times. By this point, she was old for a wooden schooner. As far back, or sorry, as back then, their lifespan was 25 to 30 years. Ooh, and this this happened in 1912, so jeez. That's already 42 years old. It was born. It was made it was in born. eighteen born in eighteen sixty nine. Eighteen sixty eight. Sixty eight. So it's forty three years. Forty four years old. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yep. By nineteen. Yeah. By mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. At one point, and while I've read this in a couple of sources, I cannot find a year. The ship actually sank in Grand Traverse Bay near Traverse City, Michigan, but was salvaged and sent back into service. I'm not oh, sure okay. I've never heard of a ship sinking. And then, and then being be, salvageable. Especially a wooden ship. 
Yeah. I mean, you would think then that's that's the end. Maybe it didn't sink per se as completely capsized. Capsized mm, and sinking yes. are two different things. Sinking is like to the bottom. Capsizing yeah, is just sinking is, on water. Or no, no, no. Capsized, I think the whole thing is gone. The whole thing is underwater. Yeah. Sinking is it's down at the bottom. So maybe it just didn't make it all the way. I, just, the I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> well, we, we're not going to speculate on something we don't know about. That's uh, somebody commented about how one of their favorite things is when we say, well, we're not going to speculate. And then continue to, <laughs> and then continue to, continue to do just that. Um, in 1910, an interest in the ship was purchased by Herman Schunemann. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to refer to him as Herman. <laughs> Thank you. Because it's a long name. Who, along with his brother August, had been in the Christmas tree business in Chicago since 1887, following their immigration to the U.S. from Germany in 1884. August had died in 1898 when a ship called the Esthal sank in a storm. Ooh. August was the older of the two brothers, and Herman continued on in the business after his brother's death, later involving both their wives and some of their children. This is an example of one of my issues with the author, author I mentioned earlier. He cites Herman continuing the family business after August's death as proof that Herman was ruthless, cruel, and cared about no one but himself. Why is that? I would think it'd be well, more like carrying it on in his name. Well, on, given the time, he's probably right, but that's... But it's but that's <laughs> but like unless you know that for sure, that's, that's not something you should. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sullying someone's character if you don't yeah. have something to back it up. That's for sure. I do believe he made some very irresponsible decisions in his time, but that does not mean that every decision he ever made was bad. And I disagree with Stonehouse here, as I do not find him continuing the family business after his brother died as a standalone fact, proof that he was a horrible human. I agree with that. Herman was by no accounts a wealthy man, and while some of his decisions were unwise or possibly downright stupid, he was also a victim of the world he lived in. Kiwani author Rochelle Pennington said of Her Herman, quote, He knew Lake Michigan had been his family's enemy, but it was also his friend because it was how he made a living, mm -hmm. end quote. Two-thirds of the family's annual income was made during the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's well, crazy. Man, when you have a Christmas tree business, yeah, I was just sense. And I was thinking about that before. It's like, that's very limited. And, like, it is what, massively <laughs> seasonal. <laughs> yes. But you're, you're carrying on business activities year-round because sure. you have to grow the trees or source them. That's true. Plan for all that. Yeah, but then as far as like your money it's coming like you better, in. It's like you better, that month better pay off. Yeah. Yeah, very much. That's. That's one of the tricky things about seasonal work. You mm -hmm. gotta really, really plan it as a former if you, tax if, preparer. If you miss the mark on one season, you never get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially this is very dependent on like on a nature. holiday, and yes, on both yeah, of those things. Yeah. Yep. Like, what if the left at that point had just canceled Christmas, like they're trying to do today? <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> I, I love it when people bring that up now because it's like, I'm sorry, is this 1997? You know, we're having the same conversation years later. All right. In the 21st century, remember the war on Starbucks cups or whatever? Like every oh, I'm sure that's continuing. That a holiday Starbucks yeah. cup comes out like fucking right wing. I want to But I want to see a war over. I like wanna, a literal war on yes, Christmas. Yes, I want to yeah. see people in Starbucks like going at at each other with spears and shit. Here like, we go. That'd be that'd be hilarious. <laughs> 
In the 21st century, only about 20% of people that put up a Christmas tree use a real tree. Huh. That's an interesting statistic. Wait, what was that again? Only 20% of Christmas trees are real. That like, kind of makes sense. That, Today's? Uh, yeah. Is she saying? Yes, yeah, that makes uh-huh. sense. Yeah. Most we, we can't have 20%. a tree. No. Because our cats would fucking destroy it. Oh, my it. God. Oh, my God. That would be such a shit show. <laughs> yeah. Also, we have no place for it because Not their really. cat tree takes up half the living room. <laughs> yes. So we would have to move out their cat tree for a Christmas tree, and, and then they would bring that fucker to the ground. Yes, out of spite. Like, multiple times. <laughs> yeah. And they'd probably, like, chew the leaves and barf them up. Yes. Oh yeah, all of those things would happen. There's a good reason we don't have a Christmas tree. Yeah. We just put up a few ornaments on the mantle, and that's Yeah, we like, have a little tiny... Uh, one-eighth of the size of a Charlie Brown Oh, Christmas yeah, we have tree. our Charlie Brown tree. Yeah. I'm not sure where that is right now. I uh, may have tossed it. That's I, okay. See, I, oh, every year I think I threw it away the previous year, and then just, I find, find it. it. <laughs> find it, like, in May. Maybe I do throw it away every year, and it just, like, yeah, it's the comes ghost back. tree. <laughs> Putting a spruce tree in one's home around... Oh, sorry. So that's now that um, only about 20% of people that put up a Christmas tree that use a real sense. tree. But back a century ago, they were all Everybody's. Real. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They, they didn't really have artificial trees mm. so much. Putting a spruce tree in one's home around this time of year predates Christianity as they were believed to help keep evil spirits away. So here's, some, <laughs> here's something fun. I was going to say, you could probably back that up somehow. There was a controversy among some churchgoers in my evangelical church growing up against Christmas trees for that reason. They're like, no, it's pagan. <laughs> like, you're fucking just, damned just, if you do. Just everything. Everything, everything is awful. Everything. A fucking a, a pine tree we're talking about. Yeah. Is, is consumed by the devil. No, it's not the pine tree, David. It's not the pine tree's fault. It's the symbolism. It's just a fucking tree. I know. I don't know if you realize there's a lot of overthinking. Oh, way too much. And even in religion. Unless you bring up like something rational, then there's way underthinking. <laughs> or no thought at all. Well then it's faith <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um many people who buy real Christmas trees get them from stores as opposed to going to cut them themselves. Uh, that like was something we used stands. to do when I was a kid. Well, like the tree stands, right? Like you go to the side of the the side of the road. No, stands. we went out into the fucking woods and cut one oh, down. Oh, oh, yeah, gotcha. that's, that's what she's gotcha. talking You're, about. You said that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where did you go? Was there a there like, was like a it was like a forest? No, it was like a Christmas tree farm. Oh, gotcha. And you gotcha. went out and did you bring your own little saw? Uh, I don't remember. Provide you with one. Uh, you probably brought your own. Yeah. You know the other thing about Christmas trees, as I recall, they're very sticky. Oh yeah, they messy. are. Yeah, I mean there's sap all over them. And you have to put them in like sugar wa- sugar water. Just regular water will do, but you have to put them in in water at least, so yeah, it, so it can, they won't die. Yes, because if they die, then they just the shit just falls all over the place. Yeah, all the all the needles, mm-hmm. and then they dry out, and you hook them up to electricity, and yes. what could possibly go yeah. wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not as if there are a lot of Christmas tree fires. <laughs> only yeah, only several hundred in every city every year. Mm. Um, uh, so many people who buy real Christmas trees get them from stores. That wasn't the case a century ago. The no, brothers, yeah, no. The brothers Herman and August, who captained their vessels themselves, would cut out the middleman, docking their ships and hanging a banner that read, "The Christmas tree ship. My prices are the lowest." 
while hanging a string of electric lights for increased effect. And that was probably very cool because electricity wasn't all that old. Yeah, (laughs) and everything was plugged in into one outlet, all 60 60 things. Right, like daisy chains. uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, think about the incidents of Christmas tree fires now, let alone 100 years ago. Oh, literally, yeah. God, yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Their prices were 60 to 75% of what a tree would cost from a retailer. Most of the other ships that transported trees would wholesale them to said retailers. Sure. In addition to Herman selling trees directly off the ship, Herman's wife and daughters would also make wreaths and sell them to folks on the Chicago waterfront. This yeah. is all very clever. Yeah. Very entrepreneurial. Because if you're, if you're there for the tree, like, hey, why not, why not buy a wreath while you're here? Exactly. Put it on your door. Be all mm-hmm. festive. Um, and we're selling elves, too. <laughs> Did you just crack yourself up? I did. <laughs> You're like I was. I was going to make kind of like a joke about slavery, but I don't think that was appropriate. That's what I was trying. Oh, God. <laughs> slavery is not funny. It isn't, but it, it can potentially well, be. Well, what I think you were involved. trying to say is this was a shitty little time <laughs> yes. in, in American history. I was trying to get to that, but it was yes. it, it would not but have come out that way. But without sounding like you're mocking enslaved people, <laughs> yes. which is a bad thing to do. It is. It's a terrible thing to do. Um, and we know slavery was not a laughing matter. But uh, <laughs> now I'm just picturing people selling Santa's elves. That's <laughs> Hopefully that's what the audience is picturing too. Yeah. Not chattel slavery. No. Oh, God. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Most of the trees came from Michigan's UP, the Upper Peninsula. Oh, yeah. The Uper. Or from Wisconsin, as the spruce trees were popping up in great numbers following the lumber industry's removal of the larger trees. Herman, oh, that makes sense, yeah. Herman would often give trees away for free to needy families, earning him the nickname Captain Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I think Captain St. Nick would sound better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Captain Nicholas. Who knows? Whatever. Captain Nick. Yeah. Captain Santa. Yeah. Eh, whatever. By all reports, Herman was delighted by this and kept newspaper clippings all referring to him as Captain Santa in his wallet. Well, that's at the time, like, you made the newspaper. Like, oh, that's a hey, big you're, deal. You're a big shit. That's a big yeah. deal. Despite the popularity of Christmas trees, corners had to be cut to see a significant profit. The freighters of the day were too high in value, and so too expensive, to carry Christmas trees, and by this time the larger, sturdier vessels were powered by an engine. Sailing vessels were cheaper to buy, and using the wind was free. And if uh, you bought or bought into a wooden sailing vessel that was much older than the life expectancy of one such ship, you could obtain said ship for very little money. Sure. This thing's got a lot of miles on mm-hmm. it. The Rouse Simmons was 42 years old when Herman acquired an interest in her in 1910, and by then, both wooden ships as well as sailing commercial ships were almost completely extinct on the Great Lakes. I was going to say, yeah. Wood, of course, begins the process of deterioration the second it is cut, and the upkeep on wooden vessels is much more involved than most other materials, and sailing ships also have rigging and canvas to repair and replace. So basically, mm. they're biodegradable is what's going on. Yeah, and they're fucking expensive and time-consuming just to just the upkeep, mm-hmm. let alone what you're going to use it for. Yeah. Ships in general, let alone wooden mm-hmm. ships. Yeah, absolutely. However, many viewed such maintenance as merely optional. <laughs> 
<laughs> or would, for example, have their crew cock the ship as needed as they sailed. Whereas the appropriate measures would be to put the ship in dry dock and have professional caulkers do the job. I'm trying to say that carefully. Caulkers. Cock. Caulkers. Yeah, caulkers. Uh, in 1911, the Rouse Simmons had said DIY had had said DIY caulking while sailing. Wow, that's ridiculous. So you're like basically patching it up as you go as you're going as you're sailing yeah. in the water. Yeah, that's safe. Oh God! <laughs> no wonder people back then like didn't live past 45. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. It but. is. Another complicating factor in transporting Christmas trees, specifically from so far north down to Chicago, was timing. Christmas trees could not arrive much earlier than the end of November. That's true, yeah. Or else they'd be dropping their needles before Christmas. Mm -hmm. The later in the year it gets, the more notoriously dangerous the Great Lakes become. November is known as the cruelest month, and as I write this script, American Thanksgiving week, there are zero freighters actively underway. Wow. So they just, like, ghost town that shit that's probably also because of the supply chain shortage i'm just kidding <laughs> well i mean who knows the shipping season goes until january ships nowadays have much higher standards for maintenance and upkeep especially since the sinking sinking of the edmund fitzgerald in 1975 which mm -hmm. caused much change but 18, 1875 no 1975 oh, oh yeah that's right yeah <laughs> that was modern that's true well, modern era disaster. But more and more frequently, once you get past early October, shipping gets delayed as the freighters pull into bays and anchor or go to empty docks in order to wait out the weather. As I write this script, that's what's happening. My app shows a lot of ships waiting to go back out, but the lakes themselves are eerily empty. Ooh, there's a Great Lakes app, a shipping app, nice. ship app, ship watching app. There's an app for that. All of those. Yes. All right, so the final voyage. In 1912, the Rouse Simmons was 44 years old, ne nearly twice her life expectancy. Hey, you're, you're nearly twice the life expectancy of the Rouse Simmons. No, I'm not. <laughs> Herman sailed her with an unknown number of crewmen, 10 to 19, depending on source, plus Charles Nelson, another interest holder in the ship, to Thompson, a small village in Michigan's Upper Peninsula along Lake Michigan's northern shore. It is debated who is officially in charge among those two men. Nelson was officially declared captain on record, but he, but the two men had equal interest in the ship, and Herman was more closely and publicly as associated with her, and he usually made the most of the decisions. Made most of the decisions, sorry. According to Stonehouse, the Rouse Simmons' frequent trips to Thompson nearly single-handedly sustained the town financially during wow. the early winter months as they were employed cutting the trees and preparing them for loading. That's so like a, a crucial part of the economy, the local economy. a fucking hard there. job, too, doing that all day. Oh, I'm sure. Fuck uh, that. Like manually cutting down yeah. trees? They weren't using chainsaws no. back then. No, they weren't. Sure wouldn't think anyway. And they weren't using any type of, like, machine-oriented rigging system to yeah. get them off. They were fucking yeah. chopping them down and carrying them. Yeah, probably. It is generally agreed that the Rouse Simmons was carrying too many trees on this voyage. The amount of trees yeah. is unknown, and the source rate, sources range from 5,000 to 30,000. Jesus Christ. With those dimensions on the ship? Yeah. The Rouse Simmons, it's also a little ironic that it's like a wooden ship carrying wood. It is. Yeah. That's, I thought about that early really on. It's really cannibalistic somehow yeah. for the tree. I was going to make a joke about that, but I was just like, I couldn't come up with one. 
<laughs> well, and it's hard to come back from the the slavery joke too. So, well, I didn't I didn't go all out on that one. <laughs> you did. <laughs> the Rouse Simmons also had to find room for a particularly tra- tall tree that Herman pr- procured for a theater owner in Chicago. The theater owner always gave him a season box in return for a massive tree. Like that's it. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Oh, I forgot to turn off the fridge. That's uh, unplug no, the fridge. Just don't don't bring it up. Like nobody will <laughs> nobody will know. We've been told that people can hear. I'm just apologizing. Yeah. In order to fit all these trees, Herman built a second deck above the open weather deck, which allowed for the tree for trees to be stacked much higher. This also changed oh, the ship's center of gravity. Oh yeah. And provided more surface area for wind to to use to propel the ship forward. With this setup, lowering the sails in dangerously high winds would make almost no difference. As Stonehouse put it in his book, quote, adding the second deck with associated stacks of trees also raised the mast booms far above their normal position. Special wooden crutches built to allow... That might be the end of the quote. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, Special wooden crutches built to allow them to rest 10 feet or more above their regular saddles. This also resulted in having to take reefs in the sails to compensate for altered set, decreasing vessel speed and maneuvering ability. I apologize. I'm just saying words at this point. I don't know what most of these things mean. Essentially what it what it means, I, I, you probably understand that they're changing the dimensions yes. of the ship. It's, which it's is, top which, heavy now. Right. Which is going to affect how the wind takes it. Yep. How the, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially at this time with wooden ships, I'm guessing... All right. If you're going to make it 90 feet long, the the sails and everything has to be this dimension. Right. If you're going to make it 120 in order for It's like all for, geometric. Yes. Figures, like it's yeah. not just like, oh, we're just going to put a sail here and, no. you know, it's No, it's got to be Plus played. people have been sailing at the I mean, people have been sailing for thousands of years. Yes. Like uh-huh. it's an old Mhm. It's our Pastime. Yeah, well, it's our oldest form really of, of transportation. Yes. Well, pretty much. Horse and stuff. I think I think ships date back older than horses or around the same time maybe. What about when humans were riding dinosaurs, David? That would be awesome. That would just be cool. It never, it, it never to happened. The young Earthers. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> All right, let's continue. I want to get one if that's possible. <laughs> you want to get a young Earth? Yeah. No, a dinosaur. <laughs> no, All right. So the quote continues. Um, the temporary deck and tree load also restricted access to her hatches. Bilge pumps and that's, tin rails. That's, that's not good. Never good. I kind of have an idea what a bilge pump is, and I think yeah. you want you want access to it, mm-hmm. uh, make, making working the ship far more dangerous. End quote. On the way back from Thompson, a few lumberjacks hopped on board the ship for a free trip down to Chicago. Uh oh. It is impossible to say exactly how many people were on board. The logbook accompanied the Ralph Simmons to the bottom of Lake Michigan. Mm. When the ship left Thompson, there were, I bet those lumberjacks, like, their families just never heard from them again and had not. no idea, you know. When the ship left Thompson, uh, there were, was already a northwest gale brewing on the lakes, with barometric pressure dangerously low. Most of the town of Thompson told Herman not to go. There were also reports of rats leaf, leaping off the ship as it prepared to leave and running into the Michigan wilderness. Rats leaving a ship have long been considered a bad omen, and this made the crew nervous. It's like um, animals getting quiet before an earthquake, huh? Like they have some... Do they? Other... 
That's what I've heard. Oh. I don't know how true it is or if it's an old wives' tale, but um, that's what they say that like. Uh, I would think they would. Nature freak gets it. quiet before an earthquake. I would think nature would freak out. That's what I've like heard. Like a dog but would bark, I, I or know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never lived in an earthquake-prone area. So no, thank, thank, thank for, thankfully for that. Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you on, on that. On our, on our, uh, on our live stream, we're gonna watch a lot of area that is very earthquake prone. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. most of those houses probably won't last forever. Yeah. Um, uh, when the ship did depart, the captain of a nearby tugboat said to one of his crew, quote, that crazy Dutchman's going out in this with every inch of canvas up. Those boys will be lucky to see Christmas. And mm, he called it, huh? Several of my sources reported eyewitnesses said that the ship was so heavy with trees, her deck was barely above the surface of the water. That's, That's not awful. good. That's terrible. Now I see where people are saying, like, it's um, it's a bad... Uh, Omen? No bad decision making. Oh, well, on, yeah. The, yeah. The, the whole thing sounds like a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Many have wondered why Herman didn't seek shelter as the storm got worse, and it is believed that his reasoning was not only due to pressure to get the thousands of trees to Chicago. With the second deck and the large amount of trees piled high, the crew were unable to significantly adjust her sails, and they would have been unable to slow down or change mm. course. They were just like on a collision course, basically. <laughs> They're like, we're just going to go wherever the wind takes us. I guess. I guess. Um... Hopefully that's to Chicago. Right. Once she was out on Lake Michigan, she would not be able to stop until she arrived in Chicago. So just like, yeah, here we go. When the Kewanee Life Saving Station, the U.S. Life Saving Service, would not become the Coast Guard until 1915. Huh, I never knew Hmm. that that's what it was called. Spotted the ship flying a distress signal. They were unable to catch up to her since she had full sails in 60 mile per hour winds. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You're and they don't have wow. uh, helicopters at this point. No. No, they don't. They barely have aircraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have uh, blimps. Yeah. The lighthouse keeper called the next station south, letting them know to keep an eye out for the ship, as that station at Two Rivers, Wisconsin, had a motorized lifeboat. Oh, okay. They went out within 10 minutes of receiving the call, believing that they'd be able to easily catch up to the ship, <coughs> Excuse me, but they were unable to find her, nor did they find any wreckage. It was snowing hard by this point, Jeez. and they returned to Two Rivers after completing a thorough search for the Rouse Simmons. So it just disappeared. Like, it basically just sank, and nobody saw it, and nobody knew where it was. It is unknown if the ship capsized or if the wood which according to records had not been properly caulked the previous year, had simply rotted and let water in during the storm. Hmm. Or a combination of both. Yep. Initially, the families of the crew hoped that the ship had found shelter and would eventually show up in Chicago, but days after the ship disappeared, Christmas trees began coming ashore on oh. the beaches of Wisconsin and Michigan. That's, That's sad. That's not a good sign. No. Trees would continue to wash up on the shore for years after the Rouse Simmons disappeared. That's so morbid. That's crazy. That's that is morbid. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. It is believed that the rain, sleet, and snow being created by the gale soaked the tree gale soaked the trees, then froze them further away oh down the ship. Oh my god, yeah. Made the ship heavier. Hell yeah. This is so sad. 
Um, so, aftermath. Uh, Herbert and August's wives continued the family business until 1933. Wow. Herman's daughters continued to bring Christmas trees down from Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula, but by train. <laughs> They're like, we're going to solve this problem That's here. better. Which there were also still trains in, uh, you know, they could have just used that in 1912 as well, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Probably more expensive. I guess. They had the boat, so yeah. they're going to use the boat, I guess. Um, a- upon arriving in Chicago, they'd be loaded onto schooners to sell. That's how it's pronounced, right? Schooners? Schooner, yep. Yeah, not schooners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, allowing those who had enjoyed buying their trees down on the waterfront to continue doing so. However, as the trees from the last voyage of the Rouse Simmons were unable to be sold, the family found themselves nearly $8,000 in debt to the woodcutters in Michigan. And back then, a lot of money. The Chicago Maritime Community organized a relief fund for the family, as well as the families of other men known to be on board. But it still took several years for Herman's family to find their feet again. A month after the Rouse Simmons disappeared, a note was found on a beach. Ooh. In faded pencil, it read, quote, Friday, everybody, goodbye. I guess we are all through. Mm. Seas washed over our deck load Thursday. During the night, the y'all boat was washed over. Ingvald and Steve fell overboard Thursday. God help us. Herman Schoenemann, end quote. Jesus wow. Christ. So that seems like it took a minute for all of this to happen. Mm-hmm. The general consensus is that, oh, the general consensus is that the note was a hoax. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a mean, mean trick, but, uh, but the family of Herman said they recognized the writing as his. Oof. Okay. In 1913, Herman's waterproof oil skin pack was found in a fishnet near two rivers. In the pack was his wallet. Newspaper clippings calling him Captain Santa were still inside. Dry. Because it's in the oh, it's in yes, three skulls were found in the following few months, but nothing else. If those skulls did belong to the crew of the Rouse Simmons, they were the only remains ever discovered. In 1919, a note was found on a beach that claimed to be a good nine good good nine boat goodbye (laughs) note from Charles Nelson. It read, "Quote November 23rd, 1912. These lines were written at 10:30 p.m." Schooner Rouse Simmons, ready to go down 20 miles southwest of two rivers between 15 and 20 miles offshore. All hands lashed to one line. Goodbye, Captain Charlie Nelson, end quote. Wow. This note is also widely considered to be a hoax, and Nelson's family's thoughts on it are unknown. Okay. That's so weird. In 1971, the wreck of the Rouse Simmons was found in about 175 feet of water, nine miles offshore. 1971, that's almost 60 years later. Mm Mm-hmm. It was conclusively identified as the Rouse Simmons because the name of the ship was still visible and there were still trees in the hold. Jeez. Several sources said that despite thousands washing up on shore, thousands still remained inside the ship. Many trees still had their needles. Sadly ironic since the ship's last voyage was done at such a dangerous time of year in order to preserve the needles for Christmas. The cold water had preserved them for six decades. Her starboard anchor was raised before treasure hunting on wrecks was made illegal and is on display in a yacht club in Wisconsin. In 1999, the ship's wheel was raised accidentally when it showed up in a fishnet. 
Nothing else may be removed from the wreck as it is considered a grave site. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yep. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it was determined via the plotted route of the life-saving service that the motorized lifeboat had circled where the ship went down when they were out searching. They would have found her if she hadn't sunk so quickly. Every year since 2000, including during the COVID-19 pandemic, although the celebrations were significantly scaled down, the Coast Guard sends a cutter with a symbolic load of Christmas trees to Chicago to be given for free to families in need. That's nice. That's nice. In 2020, the cutter Mackinac took 1,200 trees from the Upper Peninsula down to the Windy City. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, the Coast Guard's... Coast Guard drops a wreath over the spot where the ship went down. There is some controversy over carrying on this tradition. Some view it as a way to keep alive a memory that brought a lot of joy to needy families in the early part of the 20th century and continues to provide poor families with free trees, and some view it as idolizing an irresponsible man who cut too many corners and cost his crew their lives. I can see both sides of that argument. I was going to say, can it be both? Yeah, but I view the symbolic trip as... As uh, if honor is a part of it, honoring the crew who were not guilty of anything but trying to provide for their own families. The wreck of the Rouse Simmons is on the National Register of Historic Places. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. And that was a story of, I guess, the Rouse Simmons yes. or the Christmas tree ship. That's a crazy. That's wild. I never heard of that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, it's I mean, there sad. are so many shipwrecks. I mean, we could shipwrecks do shipwrecks and plane wrecks. <clears throat> we could do a, a podcast solely on shipwrecks, mm-hmm. and we'd still be on. We'd still have like five hundred to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even two hundred thirty some in. Uh huh. So two thirty-two. Is that what this? Oh my mm-hmm. god! Wow. I know we're a third of the way between two hundred and three hundred. But just <clears throat> also back then. That people just had a different mentality. I don't know what it was. I don't know if people just thought, well, I'm not going to live long anyway, so mm. fuck it. Like, I'm going to... I don't... I mean, I think risk and danger are relative. And, to the time, sure. Well, relative to a lot of things. Sure. And culture and society and history are a big part of that. Yeah. And those factors, you know. But I, I can't imagine just being like, oh, there's the overloaded Christmas tree ship with the sails all the way up and... Let's catch a ride with these guys for a free ride to Chicago. It should turn out really well. The lumberjacks that did that. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's a common, like, thing to to humans that you don't think the bad thing is going to happen to you necessarily. Like, eh, we'll probably make it. You, sir, have made some very dangerous choices in your life. So I'm not sure you're one to talk. <laughs> that's well, that, what I Well, that's why, that's why I'm bringing to. it up. I, I can I can sympathize <laughs> with these people. Yeah. But no, there are certain things I would not do. Um, I don't think I would ever sail on any of the Great Lakes, period. Like, yeah. it's just fucking dangerous. Yeah, that's fair. But um, what if they had, like, promised their mom to get back? To home, back home for Christmas, and this was their last option to do that. You know, I, I, I like know. you can't, you don't know the circumstances. No, that's that, that is very true. But also, this I just think people were just fucking nuts back then. Is what I'm trying back to get then. at. Yes. Oh, because we're all sane now. Uh, they were less sane back then, much more so, much more less, much less more. <laughs> Whatever I'm trying to say. Well, it's a good thing that Dr- Donald Trump was born when he was. Otherwise, he'd be even. That shit crazier? Yeah. 
Yeah. But just the whole act of what this guy had to get, what just what this company had to go through just for Christmas trees. Right. That's what I mean. That's what we're talking about. Christmas yeah. Trees. Yeah. It seems like it seems like a weird tradition to have taken hold, considering how difficult it would have been. And I, it must have been regional back then, no? Because you think people in, like, Alabama had Christmas trees back in the early 1900s? That's a good question. I don't know. Did they bother even shipping them that far? Probably not. I, I don't know. Be enjoy- right? Yeah, I never thought of it like that way. Like, the logistics but of it would yeah, make sense. It is and more then- of, like, a... I don't, well, when you think Christmas, you think of snow in the north and yes, stuff because you, do. you know you don't it's think associated of, with winter. Yeah, you don't think of South in the Texas. Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, no. You know, although we had a lot of Miami Christmases. And- oh sure, I mean people celebrate and put up deck, but like the whole the whole scenery of Christmas yes. has to happen in the north. Except I'll tell you, it is really weird in tropical or subtropical climates. Like in Miami, <clears throat> they embrace the whole like. Santa's wearing shorts, and there's uh, Christmas Christmas lights in the palm trees sort of aesthetic. There's, like, this um, sort of chintzy, uh, like, cheap... It's like, it's like it doesn't quite... Yeah, it's a neat, very neon yeah, Christmas. Yeah, it's like the narrative in the story doesn't quite fit, so we just gotta, we just gotta tweak it right. in certain places. Instead of, like, red and green and white, it's like... Hot pink and neon green, and you know it's it, it's it's you know the um uh, it there's a lot of imagery of like flamingos with Santa hats and you know <laughs> it's pretty funny dolphins in Santa hats. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but it's, yeah, it's funny. that's that that makes sense. I once went to see uh, it was at a church, so it was nothing like legitimate, but it was like. A Christmas in Miami Broadway review Christmas show. And all I remember, well, aside from there was a flying Jesus in it at one point, but that's beside the point. Because churches will will take Christmas as an opportunity to tell you about how Jesus died for you, too. Because otherwise, why was he born? It would have been useless if he hadn't died. Otherwise, why are you even here? Exactly. So... But there was one, it was like trying to be like, oh, we're fun and like secular. And now we're going to talk about Jesus. But while they were being fun and secular, there was a song that all I remember is lyric, Christmas in Miami. (laughs) That's all I remember. And they did like a chorus line kick. Uh, Anyway. Memories. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I grew up where I did just for the sake of Christmas. You probably had a white Christmas more often than not, huh? Every time. You like never a, had a not white Christmas? Hell no. Huh. Or non-cold Christmas. Mm. <laughs> we get non-cold Christmases here all the time. Yes, we do. And we I don't know that we've ever had a white Christmas. I it don't think so. It usually doesn't snow here until January or February. That's true. So anyway. But yeah, no, every Christmas was like the postcard scenic, mm. like where I grew up. Just do the sleigh bells jingling mm-hmm, type mm-hmm. of Christmas. Just go outside and freeze your ass off on the way to church again. <laughs> And brush up against the car, which messes up your nice pants because there's all the salt and shit all over it. And <laughs> fucking bullshit you have to fucking deal with Christmas living in the... Christmas in yeah. the Cena. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure um, I, Nicole knows about brushing up against a car in, in the wintertime. Yeah, she sure and You're like, yes, son indeed. of a bitch! Like, these, I just washed these. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wearing your snow pants? No, not all the time. 
Uh, thank you, Nicole. That was yes, an thank excellent you. That was a never heard a, of that and a crazy story. Yeah, a, a very sad story too. It is. It's really sad. Yeah, I mean the guy. I mean, say what you want about the guy. Made poor decision making, but yes. who hasn't made poor decisions? Yeah. Fortunately, those of us who are still around, we've lived through our poor decisions. Yes, we have. I have somehow. Yeah. And I've made many. <laughs> So that was the Rouse Simmons or the Christmas tree ship sinking. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.